Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater company based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools. And on this show, we talk to a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world, about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. In this episode, we are talking to the one, the only, the living legend, Andrew Alberger. Andrew has performed in more than 35 Company of Fools productions, including multiple stints in A Year with Frog and Toad. So often, in fact, I'm told that Andrew's autobiography will probably be titled, I Am Toad. <laughs> also, uh, Andrew also starred as Charlie in August Osage County, as Frederick in Enchanted April, as Bill in Peter and the Starcatcher, and of course, a, a role I really, really wish I could have seen him play, Lloyd Dallas in Noises Off, among uh, yes. many other roles. Welcome to Foolish Voices, Andrew. How are you? Thank you, Scott. I am doing well. I am doing well. Doing what are you a lot of walking. Doing a lot of walking, I was going to say. I bet your dog loves the fact that you're home all the time. Yes, yes. Until we run out of dog food, he's a happy camper. So, so what have you been keeping? Uh, have you been keeping yourself busy over the last couple of weeks while this whole thing has been going down here in the valley? Uh, that's it. I mean, I'm blessed that I get to live in this valley and I get to go places where there aren't too many other humans walking around, keeping a safe distance. So, I'm going to say four or five times a day we get out and just. Stroll, the weather's been so lovely, so I've been doing that. And, uh, today, my big plan is to put new strings on my guitar. Uh, you are an ambitious man, Andrew. Yes, yes, uh, I'd like to plan it. It doesn't always get done, but I do plan it. So in addition to your work as an actor, you are also a, a sort of favorite of the local community because you do a lot of, um, you play a lot of live music at a lot of bunch of venues. Is that, I'm assuming that has also been impacted by the current health crisis. Yes, I was supposed to play at the wine bar on March 26th, but that's not going to happen. And then I have another gig scheduled in May at the Mint that I'm hoping by May will be somewhat back to normal but uh yes no no live music so and has have other have any other of your kind of creative outlets also been impacted by this any other gigs that you've lost or other challenges that you're facing i yes well one i i teach an improv class on monday nights and that was canceled uh, because of you know close proximity and so that was one. And then I was supposed to do a play, The Weir, uh, in April for The Arduous. And that also got postponed. I don't want to say canceled, postponed. But with, when that was postponed, my Mondays opened up again so I could teach. And then everything else happened. So, right. so yes, I'm, I'm trying to keep the creative garden, you know, tended. But uh, 
several projects uh, I had planned on doing are now uh, not being done. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know we we had also <laughs> you and I and a couple of other local stars in the valley were really excited about a possible summer show we were all going to do together. And then I was just talking to Patsy Weigel about this just half an hour ago, and it was like the week we decided we were moving forward with this incredible cast, and then the week after that we were like, yeah, no, we're not gonna we're not going forward with that show. So. I know that was my next thing. It was like, well, I'll have time to memorize now. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm I'm pretty convinced that we are going to find a way to make it happen at some point. Um, so keep memorizing, <laughs> keep memorizing if you don't have anything else to do. So uh, you have performed in more than 35 Company of Fools productions. Yeah, it's close to 50. Close to 50? Close to 50, I think. It's in the 40s, the low 40s. I'll have to go through the book. Well, I mean, I guess we could just sit here and let you list them all, and that would take... <laughs> what was your first show with, with The Fools? That was Sideman, February of 2001. That was when I thought I was coming out here for eight weeks, and that was 20 years ago. So you, you actually never left after Sideman? I left to go back to get my things. After Sideman, uh, uh, Bruce Willis had seen the show and came up to us at the closing night gathering and uh, said he enjoyed the show. And he said, do you have fun doing it? I said, yeah. And he goes, you want to be in True West? Yes, I do. So that was my audition for him. Uh, so I went back east, packed up the rest of my stuff, and moved to Haley. So just so I am clear, Bruce Willis walked up to you after a show and offered you a role in True yes. with him on the list. Uh, yes, he did. He had seen a couple of rehearsals and then saw the, the finished show and uh, offered me and Chad Smith, who's also in Sideman, uh, two roles in the show. I want to hear every single story about working with Bruce Willis. <laughs> One, two, three, go. Start with <laughs> He was great. I couldn't, you know, no matter what anyone, any other opinions to me, he was really, really wonderful. And uh, I was also working for him. I was his personal assistant at the time I was performing with him, too. So uh, I got to drive around a lot of his beautiful cars. That was nice. But he, I had a dear diary moment when he came up to me one day in rehearsal and was struggling to get laughs in the scene. He was like, Andrew, Andrew, how do I make this funny? I was like, dear diary. Bruce, what is So uh, it was a hangover scene. So I, was like, I suggested he take out a bag of frozen peas and put them atop his bald head. It got a good visual laugh. And that is now, I think it's the first line of your resume, right? Is the he's <laughs> bit with Bruce Willis. Uh, what, what, I know, I, how many times did you do a year with Frog and Toad? Four. Four? Four years. times with three different frogs. So you, you never graduated from Frog to Toad. You were just always Toad. I was always Toad, yes. At the very beginning, when they first cast uh, John Glenn, asked me which part I would like to play. And then once reading the play, it was like, well, Toad, Toad. Frog is lovely. Frog is the 
uh, the straight man in the show. <laughs> Toad gets to be the goofy guy. So, but yes, after the fourth time, I said, if we do it again, it's going to be have to be called a year with Frog and Old. <laughs> harder and harder to get up off the ground in the seeds number. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, I have heard, you know, I've only been in the Valley just over a year, but I have heard so many stories about A Year with Frog and Toad as one of the most sort of beloved of all the Fool's productions. How does it feel to be in a show that for four years sort of absolutely defined a theater company and a community? It feels great. It feels great. I mean, there was spread out. I would say we did it four times in over 10 years, um, but which was great because then other generations of kids could see it. And uh, someone equated it to a Grateful Dead show because kids would come back again and again and see the show and sing along to the songs. So I had one young boy, uh, I went to see a production at the next stage of Charlie Brown and uh, one kid saw me in the audience and he had a half hour conversation with me as Toad. Hey Toad, hey Toad, uh, my friend's in this show. Hey, hey Toad, Toad, do you like this show, Toad? So that was very special. Is it okay if I just call you Toad from now on or? <laughs> yes, yes. And oftentimes I'd be uh, at a restaurant with someone and a parent would point out, look, look, Tommy, there's Frog. And the kid would correct her right away. So. <laughs> Who were your frogs and, and why did they not come back? Were you just too much of a nightmare as Toad? Yes, that was it. I was uh, demanding my own dressing room. Uh, no, uh, the first two times we did it, an actor named Jim Remke was frog and he moved out of town. And then the wonderful Cliff Todd was frog. So that was very interesting because Todd was not Toad. Todd was frog. Got and it. then the last, and he... Uh, lives in Los Angeles. So uh, the last time we did it, the wonderful Chris Carwithin was frog. To your toad. Yes, yes. He has a, it's, it's a little typecasting with Carwithin really. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good, they were all really good and the, everybody was different. So it's, it's uh, a wonderful thing. I didn't, I don't know how some actors can do 1500 performances of a particular role but it's always fun you know there's always some someone who hasn't seen it before so so and and you i mean you have such a wide range of different roles that you've performed for the fools charlie in august osage county i mean talk about a radical departure from playing a toad yeah yeah that's one of my favorite shows i got to work with jana she was uh the, my wife in that show and yeah, that was that was great. What is it about? I I always wonder what it is about August Osage County, which is both funny and also pretty. I mean, deeply disturbing and very hard to watch. Um, what what is it about that show that draws so many people to it? And I I've heard so many actors say, "Oh, the time I played in August Osage County was one of my favorite productions." What is it about that show? I think the family dynamic. A lot of people can relate to having to get along with your family not always not always the easiest thing to do and uh the fact that the play just takes place in the one house several rooms in the one house but you're just feeling confined and uh 
Yeah, then then the depth of it. There's secrets that are revealed that you, I certainly didn't see coming. So it's fun to to read that and then to get to play that. Uh, just the the relationships, the the certain scenes where things have been bottled up for years and years come to a uh, forefront. Uh, yeah, it's just snappy dialogue, and it is funny, and it is really gut punchingly sad too. Right. I mean, all the great. Yeah, the, uh, the the movie, and they they go on locations. They get in the car and they drive to the store, and it it lessens the punch. Right. If you I agree. Get out. Yeah. Uh, and a and a radical departure from August Osage County is Lloyd Dallas from Noises. Yeah. All- Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Uh, one of the hardest plays in the world to perform uh, and a really remarkable role. What was your experience working in Noises Off? It was like solving math problems a lot of times. And for me, as Lloyd Dallas, you're the director, so you are uh, outside of all of the door slamming, come in this door, close that door. So I just got to sit and watch and be frustrated, which was, you know, I was sharing what all the actors were going through of, okay, we're living our parts now. (laughs) Uh, And it's such a wonderful, I got to be, you know, a Lothario in that show and have a couple of affairs within it with the characters. That's always nice. It's always nice. Yes, that is always nice. How was I? Did, I've only seen photos. How was the set? I mean, I know the set uh, for Noises Off is massive and complicated and difficult, and um, and the Liberty can be massive and complicated and difficult as well. How was the How was the set design? Yeah, that? I'm believing, and Kay would have to verify that that it was a, one of the turntable sets because we had to rotate it to show the backstage life. I believe in Act Two. Uh, oh, it's such a beautiful set. It was two stories because Cliff had to fall down the stairs every night. So I do remember we had a giant staircase. But uh, yeah, that was one of the more elaborate, beautiful sets of many that Company Fools have had. Right. We uh, were blessed with set designers and builders and lighting people. And... Yeah. And very true of my of my first season here. Uh, often I've had friends from all over the country look at our set designs and on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, and say, "Oh my God, that must have you know that must be a, a eight hundred thousand dollars set." And I go, "No, it's actually, you know, I, I just have really great people who spend their entire days making it look beautiful, right? Just spending their time doing it. It is uh, the production values here are are, are pretty remarkable." Um, of the roles that we've discussed, which which ones have I not mentioned that were among your favorite of the more than 40-ish, nearly 50 hmm. roles that you performed? I like doing Bus Stop an awful lot, too. Um, that's the, another great ensemble play. Um, that, that's the wonderful thing, is that majority of the plays that certainly that I've been in and that I've seen it's just the work of the whole you know you'll get your occasional one person shows but by and large they're they're, whether the larger small ensembles the the ensemble work really shines through here yeah i would agree 
I think that is has certainly been my experience here. Uh, but you you don't just perform for the fools. You perform for a whole bunch of other folks in in the valley too. What what are some of your favorite uh, performances and work that you've done outside of the Liberty Theater? Well, I love uh, in recent years I have worked with St. Thomas's Playhouse in their main shows and also in the children's touring uh, school shows, and I've gotten to write uh, and adapt. Uh, stories like Stone Soup and Rumpelstiltskin uh, and add my own original music. So that's been a lot of fun. I have to find a, a way perhaps to get them published so see if I can rake in the big residual bucks that playwrights make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, but you've got some time on your hands right now, so now would be a great time to, to sort of work on that, getting those scripts done. Uh, yeah, but I've gotten through them. I've gotten to play some great, you know, iconic roles as uh, Henry Hill and Music Man and Harold Hill, rather. Henry Hill was Goodfellas. I didn't play him. But Harold Hill. <laughs> and then I got to be Professor Higgins in My Fair Lady, uh, Von Trapp in Sound of Music. So I've gotten to do the classic musical roles here. And uh, um just really enjoyed, uh, I was in, uh, what did we do recently? Fiddler, just yeah. finished Fiddler on the Roof, and it was Laser Wolf, so it's, it's fun, you know? People that's, really eat up those. That's a role that you and I share. I played Laser Wolf the Butcher in uh, my high school production of, of Fiddler. You were, yes. you were way better than me. Well, I <laughs> thank you so much, but I heard you had the most dramatic thing when your lead <laughs> couldn't do the show yeah. in the middle of the performance walked off stage walked off stage during rehearsal into the <laughs> um he may have been hitting the gin a little hard that day uh, <laughs> and and yeah i think we were about two or three nights before opening and he just walked right off the stage into the orchestra pit broke a tuba broke his leg um and we had to bring somebody else in <laughs> to do the role. Uh, yeah, it was uh, not not one of my favorite moments of theater. And possibly <laughs> one of the reasons why I don't I don't like acting uh, could have been part of that experience as well. I was also just terrible as an actor. So uh, yeah, you were way better, way better. I love that. Well, thank you, thank you. You had the, you had the privilege and the honor of being on stage with R.L. Rousey. I know, I know. That's... He was just amazing. The whole show was just beautiful and fun and so warm and it was great. So what are you, what are you thinking is going to happen to us, Andrew, uh, in the face of this global health emergency and with theater companies and performers out of work all over the country? Have you had a chance to kind of think a little bit about what is I, the future? I'd like to, to consider myself a cynical optimist. I think that things will work out well but we're going to have to go through some crap before it comes to the other side there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, I want to believe that it's just another two weeks of this sort of exile and that we'll slowly get back into the swing of things. But I don't know. I, uh, you know, I heard that uh, the wine bar, the, the landlord very kindly is not going to charge them rent for April and May. I wish that every landlord would adopt that policy. <laughs> that would certainly be helpful to me. Yeah, I but, mean, 
think the, these are, you know, these are questions that I'm hearing and on Facebook and as I'm looking across the country to all of our colleagues and the large theaters and the small and everything in between. Um, you know, I think I think for all of us, it's it's so based on our ability to earn money by selling tickets and by getting donations. And um, I mean, I'm just for you as an as an actor and as a musician and as someone who really sort of gets your artistic life and your your soul fed by by live performance do you think there are going to be are we going to discover alternatives to to doing this kind of thing well i love the fact that artists that you can always already see on facebook are doing uh things uh there are choirs that are not getting together but getting together virally and singing and i just saw my friend danny kennedy posted something of Two actors in California just got together and did a play reading online for people to watch. I think that that if you're creative, you still want to create, and hopefully a lot of people see it, and a lot of people pay money to see it. But the bottom line is, we're still wanting to work, you know. Yeah, and I think I, I think you're going to be helping out the fools not only by doing uh, this podcast with me, but also hopefully helping us out develop some online content for parents and kids who are at yes, home, correct. Yes, I think that's a really uh, a noble project and and something I'm sure a lot of parents will be <laughs> happy to have something, you know. Yeah. We were we were originally trying to think, you know, maybe we'll do them like maybe five or ten minutes, and then one of the staff members here at the museum said, oh my gosh, if you could make them three and a half hours, that would be really great. <laughs> Down in front of the TV and make sure that they have something to do while I'm desperately trying to work from home. So yeah. Yeah. Well, we appreciate your, you doing, you helping us out with that. Um, what are, what are your final thoughts? Like as people are listening, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have fans and patrons and supporters from, uh, from the last 25 years of the fools listening into this podcast to kind of check in on, on you and on the other actors in town. And what would be some of your last thoughts for them to consider as they are taking a break from attending live performances? Um, I'm going to just go old school. And I would say maybe this is a good time to reach out to people you haven't spoken to in a while and just touch base, see how everyone knows. I got a lovely phone call from a college friend of mine yesterday who was doing just that calling out people who uh you know we all have someone who was important in our lives years ago that maybe we haven't uh, been in contact with so that's something i've been doing while i walk the dog eight times a day and uh i you know i'm curious as to what uh fool's day is going to look like i know everyone around here always looked forward to that is that going to be a online celebration i think it's probably just going to be me in my dining room with some sock puppets doing <laughs> you know one man performance of my i have a one man hamlet that i do uh that <laughs> of the sock puppets no uh so yeah to thank you for bringing that up fool's day this this year is going to be a virtual fool's day um we are going to post 
video announcements, not only about our programming um, and the exciting uh, changes that we have coming up for the Fools for next season, uh, as well as information about um, the Sun Valley Museum of Art summer concerts and the lineup there. Uh, a lot of great information about what, how the museum is really planning to respond to the crisis uh, and as well as the sort of shelter in place order, our hopes and our dreams and how we're planning to be flexible around all of that. So yeah, I would encourage everybody to show up. It's gonna be live on Facebook and on the SVMOA YouTube channel at 5.30 on April 1st. Um, we're encouraging everyone to bake themselves a 25th birthday cake. Just yeah. Our 25th anniversary. So, uh, Take, bake a cake or bake some cupcakes and enjoy a half an hour or 40 minute or so presentation from a bunch of the staff members at SVMO who are going to be doing from home. So you'll join. Well, that, that, that is a good thing. I've always loved Fool's Day. It's always uh, reminds me of the first day of spring. Yes. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And we, the Fools and I have been talking a lot about how we can make sure that we give our fans and our artists a chance to get together um, either virtually or, you know, hopefully once this is all blown over, we can get everybody back into the Liberty to, to sort of have a, have a glass of wine or raise a toast to our 25th anniversary and anniversary 25 years of which you've, you've spent a lot of that time uh, working for the fools, Andrew. So on behalf of a, of a very grateful community, um, thank you so much for, for your commitment to the fools and your commitment to the arts in this community. And, uh, and we couldn't be happier that you're here. So thank you. Well, I thank you, Scott, and thank you. And boy, it's not every theater company that gets to celebrate 25 years. So that's, that's uh, I'm just proud and happy to be part of it. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for joining us. In this episode, we had the chance to talk to the one and only Andrew Alberger, who has performed in not 35, but more than 35, more than 40, nearly 50 productions with Company of Fools. Andrew is a staple throughout the Valley, both as a musician, as a writer, as an actor, uh, a really remarkable creative member of our community and we couldn't do it without you. Thank you so much for joining us. Just a reminder that we would love for you to please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform. Or of course you can go online at svmoa.org. This is Scott Palmer and this has been Foolish Voices with our good friend, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us, Andrew. We appreciate it. Thank you, Scott.